Welcome to the MCW Office of Faculty Affairs podcast. Hello, my name is Christina Rungi, and I'm Associate Provost for MCW's Office of Faculty Affairs. The OFA team created this podcast to provide information on topics that support your careers and help you flourish as a faculty member at MCW. Hello, I'm Dr. Jennifer Apps, Assistant Provost for the Office of Faculty Affairs. In today's episode, we're talking about how to write an effective referee letter, and we are joined by Dr. Mary Beth Phelan, Professor of Emergency Medicine, Vice Chair for Faculty Development and Advancement, and Chief of the Division of Emergency Medicine Ultrasound. Hello, Mary Beth. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Dr. Epps. Thank you so much for inviting me to discuss this uh, very important topic. Absolutely. Most of our faculty are going to be asked for a letter of reference for a colleague, at least a few times, if not more often. Start out by just addressing some of the important points of a well-written referee letter. Absolutely. So a well-written referee letter accurately and authentically aligns the work a candidate for promotion has accomplished to that specific point in their career with the criteria for promotion at the medical university or medical school in which they are seeking promotion. Um, These well-written letters should be provided by a colleague who may or may not know the individual well and certainly should be aware of the impact of their work. It's very critical to for letter writers to realize that our promotions committees are made up of a very diverse group of faculty who may come from a variety of specialties, including um, and, and the basic science uh, uh, faculty as well. And so the letters and the promotion packet may be being reviewed by a committee with no one from that particular specialty on the committee. So a well-written letter is able to describe and explain the importance of the candidate's work to this committee and is clear and concise and very provides very relevant information related to the promotion criteria. It's also important for letter writers to realize that letters can have a significant influence on the committee's decision to promote uh, a candidate there is not a lot of literature related to this, but there is for, for faculty, but for residency and fellowship application, it has been uh, noted in the literature that letters of recommendation can be the uh, one of the most influential portions of the application for a residency or fellowship position. Wow. It's really not a stretch to think that a letter could have similar influence in the promotion of a faculty member. Absolutely, absolutely. You you talked about how within the letter that you really have to stress the importance of the individual's work or perhaps their accomplishments thus far in their career um, in a clear and concise way while still making it relevant for whatever the criteria are surrounding the letter. that That's quite the feat, certainly. So are there certain critical things you would suggest the letter writers really focus on or attend to when they first start thinking about putting their letter together or, or approaching this task? Absolutely. And I think that, um, number one, if you're going to be doing this as part of your role or you anticipate you're going to be needing to do this frequently, I actually uh, have put together for, for myself 
a basic template and that should include an introduction and the the introduction would um, include the name of the person that you're writing the letter to the candidate's name in the um, in the subject line and then um, really emphasizing who you're writing the letter for what position in terms of was this an assistant associate or full professor in which department, at which medical school or um, university. You also want to base, you also want to be explicit in saying that you're basing the letter on the criteria for promotion. And I think that this is an area where individuals may feel like if this is your first letter that you're writing, really take the time to review the criteria for the role or for the um, you know, the rank that the individual is being promoted to. Basically, at most medical universities, it's going to be based on clinical work, education, research, community engagement, service to the specialty, service to the institution. And so that's the, those are the, those large buckets that um, you want to make sure that you are exploring on the candidate CV and you also want to make sure that those are the um, areas that you're focusing on. In terms of other things that I put in a letter, um, most people, when you're writing a letter from them, you don't have a lot of knowledge of their clinical work if for, a, for a clinician. And so you want to explicitly say that you, know, you don't have any knowledge of this person's clinical work. And so you're not going to say anything about it. Um, this is important so that people think that, you know, are you avoiding talking yeah. about something and yeah. just being really explicit? The, and the next thing you want to put in is your, your qualifications. Why are you writing this? And um, again, that those are two templated areas of that letter that are important to include. And you can have that written and update per candidate or if anything changes um, for you. That's a fantastic idea, having that template that that it's almost like, you know, creating your outline before you start writing a, a bigger manuscript or, or some or some bigger project. So it gives you a an organization in which to approach this task that really makes it a lot more straightforward, makes sure that you, you don't forget anything glaring. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, too, then the, the next part is like, what are the promotion criteria? And then again, I, I make that outline. You know, for some people, it's going to be their clinical impact. For some people, it's going to be research. For others, it's going to be their, you know, their education impact. And putting them into those buckets, highlighting what the candidate has accomplished, quantifying what they have accomplished, maybe the number of presentations or the number of manuscripts or the number of times that they have um, presented on a particular topic. And really emphasizing, it obviously has to be authentic, right? That the candidate meets or exceeds the criteria for promotion in each particular area. Usually these, what I've noticed the pattern is it's three. It's three particular areas that they want you to highlight the candidate's work. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So as you're writing these things, and, and I'm sorry, anything else before we get away from that template? Well, the last part is the conclusion. Okay. And so in that conclusion, you just will basically do a wrap up of, um, you know, that you've reviewed the criteria, 
and um, that you believe that the candidate meets and exceeds the criteria for promotion. A very important consideration, and a lot of committees want to, to will look at this, will this candidate would this candidate be promoted at your institution based on the yeah. work that they've accomplished? And again, you need to be honest about that statement. And so consider that. And if you can honestly say that, consider also adding that yeah. to your conclusion. And then also making sure it might seem obvious, but really making it explicit that if they need other information, you'd be happy to, to um you know, connect or provide more information about your, what you think about this applicant for uh, promotion. That's wonderful. I am, I am making notes. I'm going to make my own template based on all of these things that you outlined. <laughs> this is a fantastic idea. So now as we're digging in and we're actually writing this letter, I, I know one of the things we hear a lot about these days is how bias um, can appear in these letters. And, and so how, how do we pay attention to bias in our own writing or as we're writing one of these letters? And how do we avoid that um, as we're writing these letters? That is a fantastic question. And I would love to recommend my colleague, Dr. Amy Zozel, to come on and take a deep dive into this Ooh, um, as, a, as, a, as, a, um, as a single topic. But in this, I'm, I'm happy to, to outline that. That's a really important consideration. And, and even to this day, I see some elements of bias and I'm, I, you know, gratefully, I, we're all aware of it, right? We have more uh, diversity on our committees now. We all take um, bias training, um, all the people on the committee, so it, we can spot it and maybe um, reduce the influence that bias uh, can have on, um, on letters. First of all, really understand where you're, you have some unconscious bias, and we all do. Um, make sure you're constantly bringing that to the front of, of your mind. Um, making sure that uh, you're up to date on, on some of the important um, literature. And there are articles that I don't know if it would help to list them at the, the end of the, um, of, the, of the podcast. But um, there are some landmark articles that, that help us uh, understand some of this. And couple of ways that um, that you can uh, avoid this um, would be being um, careful um, about reinforcing gender stereotypes and making sure that you have the same characteristics and adjectives for both men and women yeah. in, um, in describing their work. So um, one area Dr. Zozel goes into is the agentic. Um, so for men, praise for success in their job responsibilities. And women, a lot of them, a lot of the praise could be communal, compassionate and caring. Both are important, right? So we want to make sure we, we spread that around for men and women. Um, we want to use those words um, for everyone. The other one that, come, that can come across that I've been, uh, been made more aware of is you know, grindstone and ability words. Um, uh, ability words are used to say how the candidate is just able to do things, it seems, without any effort at all. Um, for um, grindstone words, describe how they they need all this um, effort. Yes. And so, so being being very very 
just being very aware of, of just of making sure you're using both types of words to describe um, the work that individuals um, can, um, can undertake. So um, really being aware of that and making sure that um, you avoid that when, when possible. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe looking at some of these um, pieces of literature you mentioned, and certainly we can we can link those in so people have access to that. But um, and I definitely love to have Dr. Zozel come in and speak directly to this uh, on a different podcast. So we'll put that yes. in our schedule. Um, but if you're creating that template that you're working from, that seems to me like a fantastic place to put some reminders to yourself. Of, That's a great idea. How to balance using those words for for all candidates that you're writing for, and and uh, and make sure that you're addressing that up front. And just in just to wrap up, you know, use titles. What, one of the the things that we might see is that women might be called by their first name. Yes. And men might be called doctor. Just be. This is a very formal um, process. Yeah. Be formal. Yeah. Doctor Smith. Doctor Jones. Always doctor. Um, avoiding. Um, you know, avoiding some of those, uh, making sure you're including that the person's a leader, that they are, they have led a project instead of worked on a project. Um, those types of words, um, just always checking yourself. Um, avoid any unnecessary stereotypes and avoid um, any doubt. And really, really, again, that template might help a lot with this standpoint. It's about research, patient care, teaching service to community, service to your institution, rankings. How do people rank uh, in, um, according to individuals in, in their particular area? Are they in the top 10%, et, et cetera? Mm. Yeah. Um, make sure you avoid um, any negative language, somewhat challenging personality, potentially negative, faint praise um, uh, that use those words uh, that describe um, ability, like, you know, uh, aptitude, talent, superb, exceptional things uh, to those, um, to that. Um, and then avoid some, sort of the grindstone words, like hardworking. We're all hardworking, right? Everyone's yes. hardworking. That, that doesn't need to, that shouldn't be the only word that says, like, the only reason they got here is their hard work. So I think that um, that would be, um, really important. There is a really cool um, bias checker that we could also yes. put in the in the notes um, that you can literally cut and paste your letter into the bias checker, and it will give you sort of the um, you know how balanced is 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 your uh, letter. Yes, absolutely. I've used that. Uh -huh. Definitely. Well, fabulous. So you have given us so many wonderful tips and tricks today. Um, really a, an excellent, concise guide of, of what to think about when you're writing a referee letter. Um, again, I love the idea of creating your own basic template. Um, all of the different sections that you outlined are nice and, and strongly important and really follow and flow really well so that ultimately you're accomplishing the goal of the letter itself, which is to outline the criteria that you're comparing the individual to and really highlighting their accomplishments. So some of your your takeaways for me are definitely to be formal and recognize the formality of this, this process, to be clear and concise and avoid any negative language, uh, but really to be firm and forward. And, and as long as you're organized and, and you take some of your advice in this process, I think the quality of letter writing would increase significantly. 
Thank you very much. I think that's great. That that's an excellent summary. I can also send you an article that I, I love this. They outlined the seven cardinal elements of a referee letter. Um, so Perfect. authenticity, honesty, explicitness, balance, confidentiality, appropriate detail and length and technical clarity. I actually will ask my, my chair, Dr. Martin, has been really um, a mentor to me in the letter writing. And I ask him to review some of my letters and he'll be very honest in feedback. So getting that feedback from uh, a colleague, you know, obviously this is a confidential yeah. process. So my chairman would keep things confidential. So if, if you're asked, you know, see if your chairman uh, or someone that, in, that, that you could trust could could help you with some of the language, some of the reading, you know, blocks and names or anything like that. That's another fantastic suggestion. I love it. Seven cardinal elements to follow when writing letters. Fabulous, fabulous work. Any final thoughts? I think that uh, this is a, really a privilege to be able to write a letter for a colleague, either someone you know or someone you don't know. And uh, it's a wonderful way to learn about uh, how uh, what other individuals are doing how other in how other universities and medical schools have their their promotion process i've learned a lot from that and i also think we should see it as service to our specialty most of the time you will get asked within your specialty and for instance um AWEM, which is the, you know, the women's arm of our SAEM, the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine, actually has a letter writer list. You can submit your name and be willing to be on a pool of individuals who are willing to write those arm's length letters. And my, I, many of us at, in our department have our names on that list. That's so see it as an opportunity uh, to, you know, really pay it, pay it, pay it forward or pay it back, however you right. want to say that for your colleagues. And um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And often you're selected in that arm's length because you're an expert in that area and they really want to know how that individual has impacted, you know, in my case, emergency medicine and more specifically point of care ultrasound in emergency medicine. So see it as a, um, a, a service and a privilege to be able to uh, write these letters. A service and a privilege. I like that. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Phelan. It has been such a pleasure to have you with us today and for sharing all of this information. Thank you. Um, it's clear that you're passionate about helping others advance in the development of how they can be guides and, and referees and, and resources for those who are coming up behind us. So thank you for all of your time today and join us next time on the Faculty Affairs Podcast. Thank you very much, Dr. Apps. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you. The Faculty Affairs Podcast is produced by the FTW Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, search Faculty Affairs on InfoScope. If you have questions from today's podcast or a topic that you'd like for us to address, feel free to contact us at facultyaffairs at mcw.edu. Thank you for listening.